I don't feel that's an unusual fantasy. I feel like that's very common, actually, right? Because you're Honestly, affirming affirming your own life through death, right? This is the whole yeah. point of it. Even that movie Fight Fire with Fire with What's-Her-Face, uh, Virginia Madsen, like back in the day, like they totally do it in a crypt. Okay. And then there's See, a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer crypt. Mo- okay, you're right. And nobody then, can do a super Oh my God, warm bodies? Like, okay. There you oh go. My God. It's all over the place. My brain is Catalog, 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 catalog. Wow. Not wrong. Thank you, Julia. Hey. Anyone who wants to make that super cut, if you haven't already, or if you find one, send it to your girl because I would love it. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gorehounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, subgenres, and sub-subgenres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up Horror Movie Survival Guide tips to, to help, help you, you stay alive. Hey there, Disco Citizens. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry, and I have my beautiful co-host, Miss Julia. This week, we are talking about 1973's The Wicker Man. Title of this episode is It Wick, Ye Heathens. Tagline for this movie is, An Island Lost to Unspeakable Terrors of Pagan Rituals. Which is informational and factual, but I feel like a bit spoilery. Because you don't, like, I guess, I guess the cover, I mean, like, the poster is Picture of the Man, but... Yeah, I wish I would not. I would not. You know how I feel about spoilers. Yeah, we want less. We want less, a inf- little bit less information. Like, I try to like avoid spoilers as much as possible. Obviously, we are spoiler heavy on this show. So it's but... all very ironic. But I feel like you could do an island lost to unspeakable terrors, which is a little bit generic, but then it gives you a little more mystery. And then I case, think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So this, mo- uh, this movie is actually based on a book by David Pinner, which I have not read, which I need to because that sounds awesome. That's it, surprising screen- to me. I'm always surprised when you haven't read the book, Julia, honestly. I didn't like, know. You- oh, that's why. If you knew, like, you would have already read it. Yeah. I've Because I've, I've, se- I've seen this movie several times and I, it wasn't until this time. I was like, oh, it's based on a book. I should definitely read it. I will. This was, The screenplay was written by Anthony Schaefer and the movie was directed by Robin Hardy. So we should we share that we saw this together at the Secret Movie Club? Yeah, we did yes, we did downtown so it was, LA. So it was, it was very really cool. fun to see uh, the. It was the director's cut, and it was really fun to see it in a in a crowd. It was a good crowd. Everybody there for, you know, getting the rea- audience reactions. Every horror movie is better watching it with an audience. So I have some alternate universe casting for you. Oh, give it to me. So this is both as Howie, the police officer. Uh, the first one uh, is Peter Cushing. <gasps> Ooh. which would have been fantastic yeah. uh the second uh is michael york which is like at first like huh and then i was like yeah i see that i love him i adore him he was good friends with one of my um classmates that when i used to go to the beverly hill playhouse a gajillion years ago huh. and i was like oh my god that's like your homie and like anyway he was very he, nice yeah he's yeah, like yeah. one of my mom's top five she's way into michael york so we watched a lot of his stuff when i was a kid because she was like yes give it to me she, about that he's a very good actor and also that voice yeah, yeah. A, could... a handsome handsome man so yeah. this movie they filmed this in galloway scotland it is absolutely stunning we opened this movie it takes place on sunday april 22nd 1973 so we know that may day just around the corner perhaps not a coincidence 
perhaps not a coincidence at all, considering uh, pagan traditions and whatnot as we're going into this. Um, uh, also, this is a round of folk horror that we're doing, by the way. We oh, just wanted yeah. to point out. We thought we, we, people have recommended different things. We haven't done Wicker Man yet. We're like, what the fuck are we doing? We got to get in there. Yeah, and I'm also pretty obsessed with folk horror. I've been kind of going down the rabbit hole, especially since our dear friends, the Adams Family, kind of just kill it in the modern version of a folk horror genre for us. And I'm just like so obsessed with them. So I've just been like, also, there was a really great documentary and I'm going to mess up. It's like got a very long title that was on Shudder this last year, something of dark days and blah, blah, blah. I know I'll figure it out by the end of this podcast and go back and, and or maybe put it in the in the podcast notes. But it really got into like kind of full core around the world. And so it really got me going kind of like on a deep dive in all these movies. And I've been watching a lot of them over the last year. Um, so like good. We, mm -hmm. I mean, like this is a very specific type of folk horror. This is kind of the pagan Christian kind of back and forth kind of thing. But I feel like we've done a lot of movies that are about local folk horror. Like we did Tokoloche. Mm -hmm. uh, we just did Achura, which is a Moroccan. And so we have these different boogeymans that come from around the world that I think is very interesting. Uh, so that's different than what we're mm -hmm. talking about. We're talking about the Wicker Man kind of folk horror, which is what mm -hmm. we're in for today. So we, mm -hmm. she has it. I do. It's Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, a history of folk horror. That's um, great title. Yeah, it's very good. And it kind of it's really great. I actually watched it deliriously a couple years ago, I think when it or when oh, no, last year um, at some point when it came out um, while I was like sick at home. And I was like delirious watching and it was perfect. <laughs> what a weirdo am I? Um, but I, I fucking loved it. This um, is why we're best friends. Yeah, I was like, ooh, I am sick. I shall watch sick things. Um, and here we go. <laughs> I'm so glad. Really Look what I've done to you. I, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know if I should apologize or not because I've, no, I've corrupted I you. In I a love way. it so much. It's so <laughs> cathartic too because I'm like, oh, I feel like shit. What else is shitty? These people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it does. There is a, a catharsis, definitely. So we yeah. meet our hero slash. Mm -hmm. uh, we. I, I don't know. He's not a hero That's to me, but he's supposed to. Yeah, it's very yeah. anti-hero Taylor Swift shout out, you know, like anti-hero. I don't even know what that Taylor Swift reference is and I don't want to know. It's because her I, biggest I hit right now for her last album. I'm I, going to the Eras tour shout out anyway, moving okay. on. I have. I hope you have a blast. I will. <laughs> this is, so we meet uh, Edward Woodward, who is Sergeant Howie, our uh, protagonist. Yes. Uh, yes. Lead of and the so, film. Lead of the film. So he mm -hmm. is headed out to uh, a, delert, a very deserted island to look for a little girl. He has a, a letter from her mother, Rowan Morrison, who has been missing. He's got this sweet little plane, little what an aquaplane. What are the, yes. A Before he gets on the plane, though, I have to do this because Julia misses the religious stuff every time. And I'm here oh. as Jesus girl, um, formally, <laughs> um, to talk about it. At the beginning, he's in church. So we get that he's a devout um, part of the Church of like Britain, basically. Um, and so he um, is doing communion at the beginning of the film and they're reading, singing a hymn. He leadeth me by quiet waters. Um, so you get, he's very devout. He does the um, traditional communion, do this in remembrance of me where you eat the, um, body of Christ, which is the host, which, um, you know, true devout people who take communion do believe that when you take that into your mouth, that you're eating Jesus cannibalism, people, let's talk about this. And then you drink the wine, which is the blood. So it's the blood and body of Christ. So, and they, you do this in remembrance of me. So they're doing the communion where they're eating and drinking, but then they have this like very sweet kind of bell and Sebastian music, all of a sudden that twists over that right. like sounds happy, but I was like, are, is there, are they singing about sad things? Love bell and Sebastian for that. Happy sounding music, sad lyrics. Give it to me in my veins all day. 
<laughs> no, thank you for pointing out this religious angle, which was, of course, come in heavily into play with this whole movie, which, you know, when you say it out loud like that, where you go like, oh, I'm literally eating the body of Christ, right? You, mm-hmm. you go, okay, that's pretty fucking barbaric to say, like, I'm eating somebody, I'm drinking their blood right now in front of everybody and everyone's going, yay, right? Like, yeah, this is every something. Week, every yeah. week it happens around the world on Sundays at a church. Um, and that's constantly the thing. And that, that's one of those things that kind of kicked me out of religion because... I was like, wait, that's weird. <laughs> and like the fact that some people believe that it's actually Jesus in their mouth right. at that moment. Like when I say Jesus in your mouth, like, come on, I'm sorry. Anyway, sorry for all my Catholics out there, but that's, it's awkward. It's but weird. It's, sure. But it's one of those things that, you know, I think this film hopes, even if you are Christian, that you might step back and look at it for a second to be like, okay, I don't think of this barbaric. I think these pagan things are barbaric, but then you look at it from like a neutral lens and you go, every religion has some sort of barbarism to it. And that's kind of the human way. Uh, mm-hmm. Deep, deep discussions here on Hormuz. So like I had all about this is what this movie is for, to make you ask these questions, which we love a horror movie that has a deeper discussion and a deeper level. George Romero, of course, famously does a lot of social commentary in his films. Uh, and I feel like this has this kind of similar, like, take a look at your life. What do you see? Because maybe it's not what you think it is. Holding up a little mirror to society, as it yeah. were. Yes, we are. And, so- the, and I know that Christopher Lee worked so hard to get this movie made uh, apparently took no pay and like went around the world to promote this movie because he believed so strong in it so uh we talked when we were talking about evil dead or, or a few weeks ago we were talking about how how stephen king really championed it to make it what it was and i feel like christopher lee really did that for this movie where he tried as hard as he could to get people to see it because he felt like it was such an important film and it was also very difficult for them to shoot because they shot this in like November, you guys, when it's supposed to be spring. So they literally had a crew. I think we heard this before our, our, our screening, like literally stapling like flowers to try to make it look more like spring. So they're doing this in the freezing cold and they did a great job. So, yes, um, our, our dear sergeant lands um, on the island and uh, with his little airplane boat um and lands with this boat but there's a little boat that's got a creepy little eye on it that that pulls them in i was like uh-oh that it looks like not the evil eye that looks like some eye that's gonna possess you somehow i don't know what's gonna happen on this island now i was already scared well speaking of stephen king this has a very stephen kingian feel where you have an outsider coming into this very close-knit community and there's definitely a secret going on and everybody's giving each other looks because they know what's going on and he doesn't but they're also very very frosty to him because a he's the police and B, nobody else comes on this island. In fact, they say, you need to get permission from Lord Sama to come on this island. He's like, actually, no, I'm a policeman, so let me in. And so there's already there's already tension between them before he even gets to land. Yeah, I thought this very interesting. Obviously, also watching through my little 2023 eyes and thinking about just like, um, I am black for those who don't know, if you listen to the show, um, thinking about, you know, police coming into a community that's really tight knit and also just asserting themselves and putting their beliefs on people and not, you know, really finding out what's happening. This is a real problem. So I just was like, ooh, I don't like this guy already. He's very um, just pedantic to these people talking down to them. You can tell he does not respect them quite in the same way as well and just thinks that they are like deviants already somehow um, just by showing up. So, yeah. Well, he strikes me as that kind of person who's never thought of deviating from the norm, right? This, like, he mm-hmm. has no sense of humor. He ha- All he has is this purpose in life is this police work, which gives him his power uh, and obviously feels like he's doing the right thing. Like there's no other way but his way. That is the right way. He's got way. colonial mindset. 
he's fully like got that like indoctrination of like church and like uh, manifestation and like there's only one right way to do it. I have learned from my Lord and Savior and this is what I do and I uphold the law and this is how it has to be done. And anybody who's outside of that is just a deviant. And so you see that how he interacts with people. Oh, I love so. being a deviant. Being a deviant oh, is the best. Let's deviate. Uh, so yes. he's here to look for Rowan Morrison, who yep. everybody says don't, they don't know. They they show the picture, doesn't know, goes to the mom of the candy shop, which sells really weird fucking candy. And mom's like, no, my daughter's right there. What are you talking about? The candy looks like cannibal stuff. Like, just let's be straight up. Like, it's like, are you going to eat this body? Are you going to eat these faces? Are you going to eat? Like, it's like very, very off-putting, strange candies. But I would love to go to that shop someday. Um, so they say, yeah, the photo is not of, of May's and, daughter. And honestly, like, Brit British yeah. candy shops, like those old school British candy shops are my favorite. Yeah. Those are the best. We get yeah. out of jars and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but there's like a drawing, it looks like, and of Myrtle somewhere. And he knows it's Rowan. He's like uh, by this little girl Myrtle. And he's like, wait, um, do you know her? And he's like, she's like, no. Um, but it, he's, he's feeling like everyone's lying to him. So he's not wrong. I think right now, like it seems very sus. Um, and so she's like, yeah, she played in the field all day with Rowan and, um, Rowan, I play with her. She's a hare. She's a, a rabbit. And he's like, wait, what, what do you mean? Little girl that like, your friend is a rabbit now. Strange. But it's such mm -hmm. a, it's a, such a fun way to learn along with the, with Sergeant about what's happening because we as the audience members have no idea what kind of journey he's on, what kind of secret they're, they are holding Uh shout out by the way, for an entire Island, keeping this ruse going so well like it feels like it would have to be like a stage play like worked out that far in advance like what it's if like this Truman happens what if something. that happens yeah it's like the ultimate improv right so they're like yeah. okay like we have the scenario these are the parameters these are the rules let's go even so, kids though you're even expecting the children to be in on it as well like you're really putting trust in people like nobody's gonna say say the wrong thing yeah impressive yeah, very. So he ends up at the inn because he's like, well, I guess I have to stay here the night because like no one's helping me. He couldn't go in there and just solve it right away. Like he thought he, I think he thought he could. Um, he's he's going to have to stay um, because like there's not really anywhere in or out of that place, you know, that's really easy. Um, so he's trying to figure out the case. So he stays at Green Man Inn um, and he meets the innkeeper's daughter, this hot girl Willow, who is Britt Eklund. Yeah. Britt Eklund. I mean, you got Britt Eklund and Ingrid Pitt in a movie together, which is everything. Yeah, she's smoking. I just got goosebumps. I was like, hot damn. Um, She is a siren, if I've ever seen one, on an island. Do you know what I mean, though? She is the one that would trap a sailor and just keep you there. Yeah, because... I'd fall for it 100%. If she was singing to me, I was like, yep, lure me into my death. Sounds good. <laughs> you know? And she sings this song, this landlord's daughter's song. It's like, Under the they have, like we have. Mm -hmm. It's like the whole crew. It's like the whole pub crew that all sing to her about her because she's like the, the song about her being like the hot landlord's daughter. You're like, well, yeah, there you go. She's got a song. And this like, is a musical, like by the way. Should we point out? Yes, absolutely. Horror musical because we love horrors. We love musicals. There we go. Horror musical. Technically a musical because there's a lot of songs and they are like part of the part of the plot and stuff too. But it, this song also feels like a body Ren Fair song. I know I feel mm -hmm. like I keep talking about the Ren Fair. I did a lot last week. We're going to be talking about folk horror. This is, goes hand in hand. It forms a lot of my world. And so, yeah. And so it's like got that body style that you like you're, when you're at the Ren Fair and a sing along and everyone in the pub is singing along and, you know, it's uh it's quite a thing. And, you know, the sergeant is, is kind of being affected a little bit. He's like, oh, I kind of feel things that I don't didn't expect to feel while I was here. Kind of horny. Well, 
anybody who w- would look upon her, her visage would be so affected. But he's still in his cop mindset. So he goes around, he sees there was a wall of photos of all the May Queens past, except the year last year's is missing. So the guy, what happened last year? like, ah, it fell, it broke, whatever. Like they're giving him bullshit reasons about why it's not there, but he's quite suspicious about it. He's yeah, a very they- suspicious fellow, I guess, as you must be as a cop. Well, also, he's deducing things because um, he's getting served dinner at this place and they're giving him terrible food from like tin cans. And this is like 70s tin tin food, which I feel like British tin food. (laughs) Sorry, guys, we lived there. We get it. Some of the love you. We love you. But the food was not the thing unless it was, you know, especially tin food on an island somewhere. Probably not the best, Um, especially because this town and this island is known for exporting beautiful fresh fruits because they have this beautiful weather there somehow and they actually export a lot of beautiful foods and apples and they're known for that and the apples are not currently available and he's like wait what is wrong with this place if the food that you are most known for is not available here and I can't eat that and you're giving me this disgusting tinned food Mm." He knows something, everything right now is just leading his spidey sense to make sure that something's wrong. He goes outside, he finds, we have a whole, this is a whole different mindset. And I love how hard you're pushing this in people's faces because we have this whole sequence of uh, couples just on the beach scrumping, right? All these TNGs. Yeah, and he's horrified. But you go, okay, well, if you're in living in a sex positive place, I don't, I guess, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to be on a beach with a bunch of people like that, but they're not just by a beach. There happens to be a graveyard and that makes it a little different when you see couples on top of graveyards. Also, how many movies have we watched where people have had sex on a grave? I would say a lot, right? Actually, I I was like phantasm, like popped in my head right away. Yeah. Um, um, But cemetery man, like there's so many. uh And I feel like I don't feel that's an unusual fantasy. I feel like that's very common, actually, right? Because you're affirming affirming your own life through death, right? This is the whole point of it. Even that movie, Fight Fire with Fire with what's her face, uh, Virginia Madsen, like back in the day, like they totally do it in a crypt. Okay, and then there's See, a lot of Buffy you, the Vampire Slayer crypt. Mo- okay, you're right. And somebody then, can do a super. Oh my god, cut. bodies! Like okay, there you oh go. My god. It's all over the place. My catalog, 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 catalog. Wow, not wrong. Thank you, Julia. Anyone who wants to make that super cut, if you haven't already, or if you find one, send it to your girl because I would love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that would be a fun supercut. So the, mm-hmm. the next day he finds there is a maypole out getting ready for the party. And there are some kids out there having some fun. He goes into the class where Rowan should be and finds them, the teachers talking about the maypole and saying it's this phallic symbol and it's supposed to be there for fertility in the spring. Uh, and he is absolutely horrified that she would be talking about the children about something like this because uh, teaching children about sex is wrong in his mind honestly watching it right now too considering what was happening the week that we went to go see this movie julia i was like wow this is literally what legislation is happening right now where people do not want to teach children about sex or their bodies and they think that that's going to teach them to sex versus like actually like knowledge is power and actually protection because people actually are aware of what's happening to them um so anywho as a former abstinence counselor unfortunately from a town who had very similar thoughts to this uh, guy very scary times um children should learn 
such mm-hmm. a crazy upbringing, Terry. You really did to lead, to lead to this. Like mine makes sense. Mine was godless the whole time, right? But like- You grew up in Vegas. So let's talk about that. So yes, you grew up in Sin City. So yes, different mindset in your, in your hey. town, hey. which I love. Yeah. No, fucking love it. No, jealous. Hello. My last yeah. name is freaking Gamble. Hello. I love Vegas. I love Why visiting. Why are you not a professional gambler? That would only make sense. Because it's a scam, like so many other things, um, unless like depending on what type of gambling you get into, I feel like poker, you can legitimately like figure out like cards and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, this we should digress. not surprise you. One of my best friends in Las Vegas, her dad was a, a professional poker player and he mm-hmm. did work quite well. So it can. Yep, there you go. There you go. I mean, but are you surprised? I grew up in Las Vegas. This is the thing. So he uh, freaks out on the teacher, but grabs the roster out of her hands and finds Rowan's name in this roster. So now he's like, you've all been fucking lying to me. And they're all like, eh? Still not going to give you our secrets, though. Still going to be on on our side. And they also just tell them, we're like, do you have a warrant for this? Like, you shouldn't even be here. You have to get a warrant from Lord yeah. Summer Isle for all this information that you're trying to get because he's trying to figure out, like, death records and stuff like that, too. And so. Mm-hmm. But she does say that they don't believe in the word dead. They, they believe that uh, anyone who dies will be reincarnated into nature. So it uh, they have a complete reincarnation mindset where they feel like dead doesn't exist. You're just going to come back in a new body and keep coming on. So it is just like, thing. don't say that world in front of the kids because they don't have that word in their vocabulary. So please don't ruin what we've cultivated here in this aisle in front of these children. You need to not say that because that's not what we believe at all. So it is interesting in that of like, hey, like we have so many negative words in our culture sometimes that, you know, if we have a a different um, relationship to death, like, you know, other other cultures might have, it could be a different conversation with how we deal with it. So reincarnation versus resurrection, they have a whole kind of conversation about that. Um, it's like, well, you have this whole, you know, resurrection of this Jesus thing, you know, it's like, how is that different than me having a reincarnation um, of the people that we love and revere? Um, so we're protected by the ejaculation of serpents. <laughs> so there's like a tomb scene that talks about this. And we're like, oh, wow, this pagan stuff is getting deep. Um, and he finds a crude cross of the grave eventually for her. And, you know, uh, well, just for forcing it on there, just saying, okay, well, he's making sure she's okay in more than one anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we find Mrs. Morrison, uh, she is, so he's starting to go back now to try to like say, Hey, you've lied to me. And I know it, uh, he find, finds Mrs. Morrison putting a frog in his, her daughter's mouth to cure a sore throat. So we know that they're still learning. They're still doing way old school kind of, uh, what do you call that? Home, Medicine. Home. Yeah. Homeopathic, like old school, like witch's brew medicine, right? And he's like, you're all raving mad, which is, I just love when an old British person says something like that. And it's great. <laughs> um, and so he goes to visit the registrar's office and he's trying to get more, um, you know, records and details so he can make his case. Um, and the lady at the registrar's office, who is our dear um, Ingrid Pitt, hot, 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 as we know from our Vampire Lovers film back in the day, just just a beautiful woman. And she's like, you did not get permission from Lord Summer Isle, so I can't give you that information. Um, but, you know, he's going to push, he's going to cop, he's going to do his thing. So um, he ends up going over to Lord Summer Isle's place, which I love because there's like penis topiaries. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a circle of women dancing around naked around a bonfire uh, in the forest in a very idyllic slash very pagan way, right? This is what they think is, right? so he, he, you know, as someone we will learn in the, in the movie is a virgin. He is. Because he's not married yet. He's engaged. Yeah. He's, he's, he's engaged to be married. So he's like, 
but having he's a very like hard time. 40 years old or something in this movie, right? He's been waiting a long time. Yeah, I just wasn't sure what the age is supposed to be because sometimes I can't tell when you do these old timey movies, like how old he really is. Like he could be like 30. You know what I mean, though, in British years. OK, like, but we'll know. say we'll say well, let's say he's, let's he looks past. He looks past his he looks past his married crime, though. Like he looks like he should have like definitely fornicated by now, like as far as his age. Like, we, we're, like us, we're past our married prime, too. Are we not? <laughs> uh, well, I was married once, but that's another story for another day. So, um, oh, God. Anyway, um, but the, the the area they're dancing around looks I call it fertility Stonehenge is what I called it. It's like where they're doing this ceremony. So it's got like this rock formation and they have this song that's like make a baby grow song. And so like they're basically like it's like the ceremony you do after somebody's like had sex to make the baby grow in their body. Um, and he's like, oh, OK. So he's walking yeah, up to the Lordship's castle estate seeing this. And, and the they're Lordship jumping says, over mm -hmm. the fire. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have all these pregnant women that are touching the trees to make the trees grow. So it's all very nature centric. But uh, to somebody who's a buttoned up virgin British cop, it's just it's a lot for him rattling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Christopher Lee because he's a delight. The yeah, visage, I'm expecting you, the voice, all of it. I mean, I mean. I would probably join this cult is what I feel right now. When I saw him, I was like, oh, I get why everyone's telling you to go talk to Lord Summer Isle because hello. Yes. He's giving full fop too, because he's just yeah. dressed to the nines. Um, Living a little, like a castle, you know, a little fay, a little vampire-esque kind of in a castle, which is very much our love language, Julia, I think mm -hmm. of just what I would like in a man. I think I need oh, to find yeah. a lord in a castle who's a little foppy, seems a little, a little gay, vampire little vampire. That's my dream, man. Okay. If you're out there, give me a give me a chat. Um, I'm just putting <laughs> it out there today. DM yeah. me, please. Um, well, the universe knows now. Yes, but he talks about with him just about deeply religious people and old gods that aren't dead versus the true God. And we get a little bit of the debate. I think this is why this movie was made right here um, that Christopher Lee wanted to wanted to share with the people. Right. We're just saying, you know, he, why is your God any weirder than ours? You say like these women are jumping over the fire because they want to have God's baby. But don't you believe that a virgin had God's baby? So what are you talking about? Isn't this kind of pot calling, calling the kettle black kind of thing? And the line, which is iconic and so fucking intense and so awesome. Uh, just God had his chance and he blew it. He's like, all right, we, we that's how we feel. I was like, Ooh, damn, God hard laid down and just a really fun case of looking at how absurd either one could be i feel like this is one of those beautiful things where i feel like me learning i'm really into cults if people don't already know that about me already i'm sure i've talked about it a lot in this pod but if you're new i love a cult um and i feel like because i love them so much i think because cults help me kind of look at my old my old religion very much in a different lens too um and i think looking at this juxtaposition i think it really does make a great case um he's christopher lee makes a great thing too saying we teach people here to love nature and not to fear it that's what it means to truly be pagan and to actually be one with it and not be afraid of natural course of life and right. so you're doing all these things to fight your own nature to fight against you know what you think um and be subjected to christianity but we're actually looking at unity versus real unity you know with the world versus just trying to fight everything that's about yourself so i thought that was really interesting too um but and yeah. also to just look at you know what the real meaning of being pagan is right because it's given the christian 
Christians have given it a very negative lens when you they think just about called it, you know, devil worship, basically. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Heathen, pagan are kind of intertwined, mm-hmm. but they're not, right? It's just this kind of religion that is nature based. And if you look at it from, wouldn't that make sense? Because this is what's real and this is what you see. And if you see is like the, you know, everybody's reincarnated like nature is, of course it makes sense. And when you start bringing in strange reincarnated men born from virgins, it gets kind of, kind of zombie dude. Yep. It's cool. 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 We love zombie Jesus. He's sexy. All right. So, um, they, he, so the, um, Sergeant wants to exhume the body of the girl. He's like, okay, well, if she is dead, I need to verify this. I mean, he's still very much on his mission. And so he needs to get permission from Lord Summer Isle to exhume the body. And so Summer Isle says, go for it. Fine. You know, if, if this is what you have to do, basically he's going to give grant him the permission. He does this knowing whole well, that the girl's body might not actually be in the casket anymore because as he, they have told him, she's been reincarnated as what? A hair. So he goes and exhumes the body and all he finds in that coffin is a hair, um, a, a rabbit hair. So so he decides he's, he's not done yet. He's going to sneak into the chemist at night and develop photos. He finds the photo of Rowan from last year's festival, uh, but the crop is very small. So uh, we now we have uh, the the scene that I think most people think of when they think of this movie, if not the end, uh, is Britt Eklund dancing naked, trying to lure him to her room in her siren song, Naked, Gorgeous, Honey, Blonde, Deliciousness. Uh, here's the question I have, though. If she had succeeded, right, it seems like everybody in the pub's there, everyone in the village is there waiting for her to succeed because like, there's no way you can turn her down in this instance. But if she had succeeded, wouldn't that have ruined their plans? Because they needed him to be a virgin. So is Rowan actually a backup in case that happens? Why would they try to ruin the virginity of the man they need to be a virgin? I think it's part of the test because I think it was also like everything's like laid out ahead of time. You know, if like spoiler alert, kids, we're getting there. Um, But it's like I feel like this is like part of their master plan. Right. I feel like they have to have that test of him to make sure because it's like if he really had faltered before to prove it, this proves it that he's that strong and they need somebody who's like a true believer, quote unquote. Do you know what right. I mean? Though, or a true virgin to be a part of this ritual that's ultimately part of the 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 mass the great master plan. Um, and so, you know, the sergeant's, you know, trying to figure out uh, exactly what's going on with their full pagan barbary out on this island. And he wants a full inquiry on this whole place. And so he basically decides to stay through these May Day celebrations to figure out everything that's going wrong out here. And I love Lord Summer Isle because he's giving me, gives me like old vibes of very Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, <laughs> like I was like, if we were to cast this now, it would be him because he's got that similar like energy to me. But um, I think, uh, yeah, Peter, uh, whatever, uh, our, our OG guy is um, Christopher Lee is a little, a little, um, I think, sexier. But um, giving yeah, me those vibes, it's is. so funny. And he's got that sweet mustard yellow turtleneck which i love so much you know and you know he's he's so tall and he's so like the terry's making faces at me she likes that sweater too i'm not normally for a man in a turtleneck but he he kills it he kills it pretty well so, so it's it a different time there was a lot of them going around my dad wore them a lot then too there's so many pictures <laughs> just like turtleneck and like sport coat <laughs> it's a look so yep. uh now it is may day so now we get our our creepy animal masks which i love and uh, he goes out and uh, they have they have destroyed his plane his plane will not leave he is now stuck on this island with no way to get off he is 
now realizes the tremendous danger he is in uh bloody heathens he's he's screaming at him and so they're having a full-on party all the while fucking with him Uh, we do see the baker which i like very much having a full making a full body size loaf of bread in a coffin tin which is pretty sick and pretty goth like so hardcore goth but also have like a goth bakery right where you have a bunch of there is like a horror slash goth like coffee shop in burbank i believe so i know but i'm talking about like an actual bakery where they make things that look bloody and loaves of bread and there you go throwing out there the wolves if somebody wants to i think you can commission that kind of stuff i feel like there's places doing it there's got to be somebody i'm sure goths Um, need a bakery too yeah goths do need baked goods too it's true we love snacks um so he's, you know, going through trying to figure out how he can, you know, um, infiltrate this, this ceremony. Um, he's got to figure out what's going on. He's like, OK, well, there's a sacred right sacrifice. So um, he's got to figure out what's going on. So he ends up um, kind of getting hoodwinked at this point, too, by um, his dear siren lady and everything. And then um, the fool, the man who's supposed to play the fool, he's the innkeeper. Um, and they basically set him up by leaving the door open for him to hear a, a little tussle where he feels like he's got to go be a hero because they're going to play on his little cop hero complex to go help this woman. And, oh, it's bad. I like how how easily they have figured him out and how well they can play him because they can. it's very well constructed. So he ends up punching out her dad, who is dressed in the punch costume, and he is now the fool at the he festival. He punches punch. I mean... A little punch punch mm-hmm. uh, although i would say his punch cavorting convo- is not up to standard because i would expect a punch to be excellent at cavorting uh, but they know it's him i mean that's not like anybody's buying his ruse anyway but the we they take him out to the beach where they are offering ale to the sea and part of their festival and then he sees rowan alive at the mouth of a cave and of course breaks out of his disguise because he's in the costume and pulls off the head and runs to her but she doesn't seem to move. Like, she's just like, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Did my job. And um, he's like, what are you guys? She's here. The girl you told me was not here is here. And they're like, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, because he enties her. They, like, chase through the cave. And she leads him right to where he's supposed to be because she's part of the trap that's been set out for him. The whole thing, this whole Rowan trap. And there she is. She was like, did I do my part good? She's been waiting, hiding this whole time for this one moment. And so now, but now they're like, okay, game's over. Now you know what the deal is. By the way, we're going to tell you what the deal is. The deal is you're our sacrifice this year because A, you're a virgin. B, you came of your own free will. And uh, C and D, you have the power of a king and a fool. So guess what you're gonna die yep so you were the right kind of adult they say he it was the game of the hunted so this whole thing has been a game um it's a cat and mouse basically and so he made it through all these tests that's what i was saying i think that's why they did the test to make sure that he wouldn't fall you know what i mean they'll like but if the test had failed what was their plan but he was that i think the test proved that he was a fool because she was hot right (laughs) Like, yeah, it's 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 truly a test I mean, of will. That is a fool's errand to not like hook up with her like sh- easily. Um, they yeah, disrobe him. They disrobe him and ceremonially clean him up, um, and he's going to die a martyr's death. And he's like, isn't that what you want to be the Christ, basically, yeah. to be a martyr like Jesus? You are a king, virgin, fool. Um, yep. 
So the so, crowd, but the crowd's having a great time, right? Because not mm-hmm. only it have has their ruse worked exactly as they as they wanted it to, and now as a village they get to su- succeed. It's also their their favorite day of the year, and also he is because he is so perfectly all the things they need. Their crop next year is going to be rocking, so they know everything's great, and they get to burn a bunch of like a guy in a big wicker. So the reveal da, 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 the of the man. wicker man is supreme excellent uh so incredibly incredibly great and and the great thing about this is um so he's in the he's in the wicker man screaming at them about jesus and you know won't you help me and everybody's singing about their pagan stuff they're not listening to him at all there are animal sacrifices inside of the wicker man with him so he's not the only one dying it's um, like a big I, basket man it's so beautiful it's big so beautiful basket full of full of sacrifices and yes, full of living the, sacrifices to burn the thing is when we are watching it i'm like how how are they getting these shots of him in the burning thing? But he really was just in that burning thing. Like that was just how they got those shots. And I was like, what the fuck as an actor? Like, Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, we're going to burn you in a, in a thing at the end, but we'll, we'll get you out in time and like, it'll be fine. <laughs> You're like, Oh my God. So well no done. For me, dog. No for me. <laughs> like, would Even not if be you okay get to be that. the star of this movie. You would still say no? I think no? I have weird PTSD about burning things like that. Like, I'm very, like, conscious because my dad had a house burned down when he was a child. So oh, he, there's no dad. pictures of my dad as a youth other than, like, probably the earliest picture I have of him is when he's, like, 16 from a friend that he ended up, a colleague later on who actually went to the same high school as him. So that's the youngest I've seen of him ever, and it wow. makes me very sad. So yeah. I'm very conscious of that. So flames like that scare the crap out of me. So burning things in movies, it's very intense. So this movie scared the shit. I was like, yep, would not be okay with that. Could not do it. Um, generational trauma revealed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, let, very us, scary. Let, us, let us move on from the scariness and move on <laughs> to the beauty of mm-hmm. you have the shot of the wicker man finally falling down as it's burning uh, to the beautiful sunset behind it, which the timing, the pressure on this cinematographer like you we have to have this burn in this very specific amount of time to get this shot we only can do it once so like it's a lot and we have to get him out in the middle of the shot like it's a whole it's a whole thing and like it it, and it's phenomenal it's gorgeous and it's Um, haunting as hell because they are smiling all those villagers just like the glow on their face like we did it guys congratulations just like the euphoria yeah i'm getting goosebumps it is so distressing how happy they are that this man is burning and it's gorgeous but yeah because this is the thing is it's it's a combination downbeat upbeat ending because for him it's downbeat but for them it's upbeat so who and whose side are you on right because i feel like there's i have a kind of mixed horror of yes you're watching someone burn which is terrible but then also you feel like you have uh, done such good for your village, right? The whole community is now saved because of this one sacrifice, which he kind of uh, brought himself into, right? Because um, I feel like I'm kind of more on the villager side, although both of them are seem to be horrible, murderous people. So I don't really know. But how I do you say all bad um, in this one? And it's interesting too, because in the juxtaposition too, I will bring the religion portion back for you too as well. They have them singing Awakey Heathens and doing like a whole, you know, um, he's trying to proselytize against them. And he's he's um, doing, he's singing Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, which was my grandfather's favorite Psalm. So I just was like, oh yes, I know this one very well. Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. So it's about someone being a shepherd, which is interesting because Jesus was, you know, was considered the shepherd, the great shepherd and carrying the people like as lambs. And so 
he's literally the sacrificial lamb to slaughter in this moment because we're talking about humans being lambs. So it's kind of ironic that he's actually the lamb when he's singing about talking about being a lamb um, for Jesus. So it's just like this strange thing of like all these keep kind of overlapping and he's singing as the, as he burns um, and the animals squeal and the smiling singers. And it's a full, what I wrote down in my notes, this is so sad, Disco Inferno, because um, it's the 70s. Um, terrible, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I think it's kind of just a, a thing of like, no one has it exactly right. I think there's all these stories that we tell ourselves to justify the atrocities we do on this planet. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of that within war, within this earth, where people think that they are doing the right thing, when clearly it is to the detriment and death and destruction of other people. And I think that's the ultimate kind of um, message I got from this. I was obsessed with this movie and that ending floored me because of that. This is the first time you've watched this movie, right? That was yeah. the first time? Yeah. Ah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we got to see it together for the first time and we get to talk mm -hmm. about it on this episode. And um, it is, you know, as we mentioned, we're doing a round of folk horror and we did this one first because this is kind of the template that everything else we're doing will pull it's from. It's granddaddy. Yes. It is. And so it really started a whole genre, sub-genre sub of horror. So we always love that. Let me do some gore factor for you. Mm -hmm. One is not enough blood to fill the Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. This movie, although excellent, is not very gory. So we give it a one and a half for gore. Yeah, one point five, BB. That's you do it. have not someone burning, but that's not gory. And you actually don't see him physically burn, thank goodness. But you just see, like, obviously, you know he's in there. Um, and there's also like some entrails and some fun little things and some rabbits, dead rabbits, dead rabbits and things like that skinned. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but chainsaws. Let's get into those. One, if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastical. If you can already tell by my uh, excitement, I think through this episode, this is a full five for me. I this is everything I want. It's just weird upsetting oh my god yes also brilliant also just like the reveal it, it just made me think of like one of my favorite other movies hereditary as far as just like you fucked dude you're on the path you didn't even know welcome to your death goodbye it's all, it's all been predestined mm -hmm. uh, i also gave this a five uh, it's it's a super excellent movie and i think it's it's considered a classic for a reason and i like but i like that it also feels very small that you are contained and there does have this feeling of uh, there's no escape. So it, it does there's feel like claustrophobia of island life that sometimes happens that yeah. I love. Yeah. But I guess for like, if you wanted to survive this movie in this case for him, it would either been not to come at all or to have sex with Britt Brit Eklund. So I feel like that's the best survival tip that we've Which ever had <laughs> that we've ever had because usually yeah. it's like don't have sex or you will die but this movie was like please don't be a virgin get yourself the hell out of there so you can survive well because there's the um we haven't i haven't thought about this movie ever uh, the movie cherry falls like that was the whole idea was that the killer were, the killer was killing virgins so you you could save yourself by having sex so they turn that on his head what a random thought memory from that forever ago tell us how you feel about the wicker man we would love to know we are on all of your internet delights internet things uh, instagram Facebook, twitter instagram yes Those things. on the internet you can find us you can also find us on our patreon if you want to support this independently made uh podcast um at horror movie survival guide you know um and you can also find us um at teespring if you want to get some beautiful merch some shirts some things whatnot mugs if you will to drink your coffee 
cafecito. Yeah. Yes. Also, uh, send us your recommendations. We always have like we have a, a list that we look at every time we do it's a, a spreadsheet. Movie. You guys, it's massive. We love adding stuff to it because we do get to them. We've been doing this show for six years now. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we we we're, we're like- getting to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've done a, a lot of listener recommendations this year. So Tons. that's why, why we say please send them to us in by any medium that you like. We hope you will join us next week for more folk horror coming your way. Get into it, folks. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Oh, thank you. They're not all good. Okay. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.